Summer 2021 looks a lot different compared to last year. More people outdoors in the heat doing activities and swimming at public pools. On this episode, find out how to stay safe in the sun and water. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. As the COVID-19 pandemic winds down, we're seeing some return to normalcy with people enjoying gatherings outdoors and families hitting the pools. All that fun in the sun can pose some risks. We're entering that time of year when extreme heat is upon us. And here to talk more about that is Department of Health and Environment Clinical Services Program Manager, Stacey Province. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And we also have with us Steve Vogelsang, an environmental health specialist for DHG, and he's here to talk about water safety. Thank you also for joining us. Not a problem. All right, well, we're going to start off with just a discussion about the extreme heat. We're already starting to see the temperature rising into kind of potentially dangerous heat. So Stacy, if you can start off by telling us about how that can impact different people in our community in different ways. Absolutely. Well, with the combination of heat and humidity, it can definitely have an effect on different populations, uh, specifically individuals that are 65 plus those with chronic conditions, uh, children under the age of four, and uh, athletes that are exercising in the high temperatures. Um, with that heat and humidity, our bodies are unable to regulate our temperature. Often the humidity can keep our sweat from evaporating, which actually makes it harder to control our internal temperature. Uh, so as we go into these days of, you know, 90 plus temperatures and very high heat index, those are going to be some concerns. Um, we also need to consider individuals in our community that are taking certain prescription medications that might make it more difficult to regulate our body temperature or to even sweat, depending on the medication. We need to also consider people with certain um, chronic conditions such as diabetes, obesity, um, heart conditions because they will be at a higher risk as well for adverse heat events. And so when you talk about adverse heat events, what are some of the signs? What are things we're looking for to tell somebody is in trouble? Sure. Well, early on, especially in our kiddos, you could uh, see a heat rash. Heat rash looks like a little cluster of blisters or pimples. They tend to appear in the creases of the neck, the underarm, the groin, and the upper chest area. That might be a very early sign in your kiddos. Um, some people may experience muscle cramps. I know we've all seen sporting events where uh, somebody is cramping up. That also happens, that happens um, due to a loss of salt from the muscle. Um, the best thing to do in those situations is to remove yourself from the activity get to a cool location if you can and avoid any additional activity for several hours. Um, that is, you know, as it progresses, if you avoid those early signs, you could go into what's known as heat exhaustion. Heat exhaustion can cause uh, feelings of tiredness, headache, some dizziness. Um, you might actually kind of counterintuitive, but appear cool and clammy. 
However, if that's left untreated, it can go into the most severe form, which is heat stroke. And heat stroke is when you, may, you have a body temperature of 100, 103 degrees or above. Um, again, you have all those earlier symptoms or many of those earlier symptoms, but you can also develop confusion and you can actually lose consciousness. Uh, so it can be very severe. So it's important to try to catch those, those signs and symptoms very early on so you can avoid it progressing. So how quickly could somebody go from just being outside on a warm day to having heat stroke? Right. And, you know, even though it is a gradual process, it can actually happen very quickly because a lot of those early signs people might attribute just to being a little bit on the warm side, or maybe they need to drink some more water. But if they start down that path, it's often hard to dial it back and, and get your body temperature under control. So um, a lot of times what would be recommended is if you are somebody who works outside or if you're doing an athletic activity uh, for a team sport outside to assign yourself a buddy that you're gonna kind of monitor um, each other to for those early signs so you can no, you notice early and address it quickly. Um, so that would be something that I would definitely recommend. Um, again, it, it can seem gradual, but it can happen very, very quickly. And it's important to get on those early signs. So just using a, a real world example, last night, I was, mm -hmm. had my nine-year-old out at a baseball practice and he's one of those kids who his face turns bright red when he kind of gets too hot. And so I noticed that he was getting too hot and he said his stomach started hurting. So mm -hmm. is that pretty typical for, for kids that you know, they might, he wasn't acting like sick necessarily, but he was acting tired. And so that was absolutely. Concerning. And that's, that actually brings up a very important point is different people may present differently. So it's really just anything that's a little bit out of norm for that, that individual. Um, especially, like I said, with those chronic conditions and those medications, sometimes um, older adults take a little bit longer for their body to react to um, quick changes in temperature. Um, so it's important to be aware of that. But also, like I said, some of the medications might actually inhibit the person's ability to tell that they are getting overheated. So you just have to be in tune to yourself and those people around you so you can notice those differences and how they're feeling and how they're acting. Just to make the point, I did get my son out of the heat and gave him some liquids, <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't make him continue to play. Um, I'm still a good mom, but uh, he he was definitely out there getting getting warm. So, um, you know, one of the things that that we we talk about is lots of fluids, but um, sunscreen is another way that we can protect ourselves, not necessarily from getting sick from the sun directly, but um, there are other things that we need to protect ourselves against when we're out in the heat, right? Absolutely. And sunscreen is very important because if you are sunburned, that too can actually inhibit your ability to regulate your temperature. So you want to avoid that altogether. It's recommended that you use a broad spectrum um, suntan lotion, at least SPF 15 or higher, and that you reapply that frequently or based upon the manufacturer recommendations on, on the bottle. Um, so that is a very, very good point because not only uh, is a sunburn painful and obviously very uncomfortable, but it actually does affect your ability to, to cool down. 
in extreme sunburn, what do you do about that? Because I know sometimes you can be out in the sun and you don't even realize you're getting burned until hours later you're at home and you see that it's pretty severe and painful. Right, absolutely. Um, you can apply a cool compress. You can also take um, some over-the-counter medications such as uh, Tylenol or ibuprofen um, to help with the discomfort. There are also topical solutions that you can use as well um, just to cool the surface of your skin and make it feel better. Probably the most commonly uh, used product you hear of is, is aloe on a sunburn. Um, you know, there are severe sunburns um, that do require further treatment. It would depend on the extent. So if it is uncomfortable and you are unable to get relief from that, you would still want to uh, contact a medical professional for guidance. All right. So an ounce of prevention and worth a pound of cure in this situation, just use that sunscreen. Um, one other question about sunscreen I, I have as a parent certainly is, um, you know, we have the spray on sunscreen that, that goes on nice and fast and seems to be um, um, least problematic for, for kids on the run, you know, but you're spraying it potentially in the face. So do you have some, some guidance on, on how to apply sunscreen to, to the face in those situations? Right. And in some of those situations, when you're the person applying it, obviously last thing you want to do is get sunscreen in your kiddo's eye. Um, you will never hear the end of it. And it's very uncomfortable. I would recommend putting it directly onto your hands before and then applying it to the face around that, that area. It's a very sensitive area. It, you, you still wanna leave a little bit of room because it's very easy to rub that lotion into their eye or that suntan uh, spray into their eyes. So um, I would recommend putting it on your hand first before applying. All right, great advice there. Um, so obviously being outside, you know, you have the risk of that extreme heat, but even, even worse than being outside is being in, in vehicles. And, you know, we hear about every year that animals and, and children die because they're left in, in hot vehicles. Um, so just any words of caution about how quickly vehicles can heat up and right. dangerous. Um, you know, vehicles within 20 minutes in 80 degree weather can go up to 109 degrees. And then that increases, of course, um, exponentially um, moving forward. So definitely do not want to leave a child or an animal in the car, even if you are cracking the windows, because that heat can change very, very rapidly. Um, a good um, word of advice is if you have your child in the back seat, um, one of the suggestions that is given is that you have a stuffed animal in that car seat when the child is not present in the car. And when they are, you move that to the front seat as your visual reminder. So if they fall asleep or, you know, or they're very quiet in the car that you don't inadvertently get out and leave that child in the vehicle. Um, so that would be one good tip. Um, and animals, I mean, we just, you hear about this kind of thing all the time. I mean, they can't, they can't speak to us, obviously, but it's very, very bad. It's every bit as bad for them as it is for humans. Um, so they need to have the same guidelines followed as well. And I know, uh, you know, when, when children are left in vehicles, it's, it's not typically that people are just running in 
in in heading back out it's it's a change in schedule where where it's it's not their typical routine and so they might forget so that's great advice on on the stuffed animal that um hopefully our listeners will 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 use if they have children so uh, now just to talk about another um safety concern uh for the summer months is related to pools and so uh, steve if you want to tell us just a little bit about how dhe plays a role in pool safety sure um Johnson County regulates uh, approximately 600 pools in, in the county um, and in, in many of the cities. Um, but uh, we, we get out and we do inspections every day during the summer between Memorial Day and Labor Day. Uh, and of course, in the off season, we're, in, we're also inspecting all the indoor pools. So we, we do our best to try and make sure the water safe and all of the equipment that's filtering the water, chlorinating the water, et cetera, um, is, is operating to the, its peak efficiency. So I know we talked on the podcast last year about um, COVID-19 and whether people needed to be concerned about that in pools. And, you know, pretty much the answer was no, you know, the chemicals in the pool take care of that. It was really the gathering of people at the pools that was a concern for the transmission of COVID-19. So now that the pandemic seems to be winding down a bit, how does this year look different than last year? I'm sure you're much busier maybe? Yeah, we, we, we will be much busier. All of the municipal pools are open this year where several were closed last year. Um, you know, unvaccinated people still need to be concerned and, and rightfully so, um, and take some precautions possibly to uh, limit their exposure. But uh, for the most part, I think we're looking at a pretty normal summer season. And so when you are inspecting pools, what is it exactly that you're looking for? Okay, uh, we will usually go in and test the water first. Uh, we're gonna make sure that there's an adequate amount of sanitizer in the water, um, usually chlorine. Um, and we will also test the pH of the water to make sure it's not too acidic or too basic. Um, and depending on what we find at the pool, uh, there may be some other tests that we, we run as well. But we're also looking for safety equipment, um, life-saving equipment, signage for um, um, the particular warnings and pool rules. Uh, we're going to inspect all of the equipment to make sure it's operating properly. And of course, we'll hit the bathrooms and make sure all that's running as well. And speaking of bathrooms, uh, one of the, the concerns every year is, is uh, the, the pool um, water quality when it comes to, you know, little ones going to the bathroom potentially in the water. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, um, babies that aren't uh, potty trained yet, uh, uh, we highly encourage people to use swim diapers and take them for frequent uh, bathroom trips. Same way with younger kids or really anybody in the pool, get out of the pool if you have to go to the bathroom. Don't pee or poop in the pool. It causes all kinds of nasty chemical reactions. <laughs> so. Um, Many times, if your eyes are burning because you're in the pool, it's not the chlorine. Okay, so that's good to know. So uh, what are some of the risks if you are swimming in 
contam feces contaminated water? I mean, how does that could that potentially impact your health? It sure could. Um, I mean, rec recreational water illnesses occur all the time. Um, there were over 500 outbreaks nationwide last year. Um, and, you know, last year we're looking at a um, kind of um, low use um, years, but we still had over 500 outbreaks nationwide. Uh, thankfully, we did not have any of those in our area. But you're looking at, I mean, you can have skin irritation or a rash, um, ear infections, uh, you can have respiratory symptoms, uh, many different types of things. Um, the, the number one illness that we're worried about is cryptosporidium. That's the number one infection uh, nationwide. And, and that's really more of a gastrointestinal illness. Uh, you can have um, uh, stomach cramps and diarrhea. Um, and certainly if you're experiencing any symptoms like that, we ask you not to use the pool at all. Okay, I know my three-year-old who's not quite potty trained, we're working on it, but he's started swim lessons <laughs> recently. And so that's something that we were definitely aware of making sure, you know, he's going to the bathroom before he got in and he went to the bathroom as soon as he got out. Um, because I, I think the instructor had mentioned something about having to shut a pool down for, for a certain amount of time potentially just so they can clean it. So it's, it's a big problem, I'm sure, that they would have to deal with. Correct. And, you know, if, if there's a diarrhea event in a pool, um, that pool is going to be closed for, generally speaking, about 24 hours by the time you get the chlorine levels back up high enough to treat the possible illness um, and, and then get the chlorine levels to drop back down. So, uh, you know, we, we, want to, we want to run the pool at about one to five parts per million chlorine, uh, but when we're treating the pool for um, a diarrhea event, we're looking at 20 parts per million or higher. Good information. So um, I guess bottom line there is, you know, if you're feeling ill, uh, don't get into the, <laughs> the, the pool <laughs> to help guard against that. And then also keep a close eye on, on the little ones and uh, their bathroom habits, I guess. But uh, one thing we didn't touch on that I want to make sure that we talk about um, quickly is, is just um, the availability of cooling centers or uh, what people should do or where they can go in order to, to um, get out of the heat. And so Stacy, if you just want to touch on that real quick. Yes, absolutely. Um, obviously with the higher temperatures, we're worried about those individuals that do not have air conditioning um, and availability of those resources. So um, we are going to provide details about the cooling centers in the area. Those will be shown in the show notes. Um, so make sure to look at that. Um, but also just keeping in mind those individuals that don't have air conditioning, um, also be very um, aware that maybe they're not using their stovetops and their ovens during the warmest parts of the day because once you heat up your home, it's very, very hard to cool it back down. Um, also, if you do not have air conditioning, a cool bath or a cool shower to help your body regulate its temperature. And then of course, for people out and about and for people without access to that air conditioner, um, those cooling centers are huge. Um, a lot of the libraries and, and other organizations in the area act as these cooling centers and they are available to be used. We definitely do not want any 
um, heat-related incidents in our community. All right, great information today. I appreciate you both uh, sharing sharing these details. We, of course, don't want to scare anybody. We want people to have a, a good, normal summer this, this summer, but just being aware of those risks is, is important. So again, thank you both for being here, and thanks, everyone, for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.